Welcome to Lessons of Life, the podcast about the 12 laws of mind and how we operate them and where we're going and what we're doing with them. <laughs> they operate all the time, so it's good to be aware of them and work with them instead of us unconsciously walking around, you know, abusing ourselves. So today we're um, continuing with the Game of Life by Florence Scoville Shun. And one of the things I've discovered in studying these mystics is that women like Florence Scoville Shun or Grandma Moses, there's several of them, uh, tend to um, be very forthright, straight, to the point with a touch of um, loving acceptance from others and patience. I recognized this in Emmett Fox as well, but when you read guys like Baron Eugene Furson or Neville Goddard or Dr. Murphy, Quimby, uh, those guys, of course, they're coming at it from an upbringing of a male and they're very much, uh, there's no, you know, you don't put emotion into it. And the one that was different was Emmett Fox. He was the perfect combination. You know, he could see it all, both sides. Whereas you uh, notice that Florence Scoville Shin, as she does throughout this book, The Game of Life, she keeps reiterating what Jesus Ascending meant for the rest of us. And that means that we no longer are under karmic law where we've risen in consciousness. Now you're under the law of love and forgiveness. As long as you are battling, then you're under karmic law. You know, and it falls, you know, for lack of a better term, it's the lower. It's the Jacob's Ladder, basically. You, you climb up in consciousness. You rise up in consciousness. So as each time you rise up, whole bu bunch of discombobulation goes on. You know, things are changing. You know, you're, you're suddenly realizing the world has gone crazy. <laughs> you don't like what's going on so much, all this. And so then you're led to uh, read these things. And often, uh, in the past, the spiritual teachers were men and women, and they were traveling throughout uh, the world saying these things. So you got, you know, a lecture from one and a lecture from another, and you could pull it all together. So this is what I mean by picking up nuggets. And one of the biggest nuggets from Florence Scoville Shin is explaining the Shema and how that is now the law that governs us if we claim it. You know, my life is under love and forgiveness. My life is under grace and mercy, not law. You know, and she repeats this. And she just has a very clear understanding about how to, uh, you know, call on it because 
people tend to get caught up in it and they're needy and want to beg and that kind of thing. And no, she's like, no, you like the Bible says, command, command. You know, and today we uh, will say, well, I intend, you know, and ask and you shall receive, meaning you claim it calmly, okay, and you give thanks from the bottom of your heart afterwards. And Baron Eugene Ferson gives you a understanding of universal assumptions and how the rhythm of the day works. So, you know, in the morning, you're just getting up, everything's rising, you set the day. You know, and then Florence Scoville Shin, you spend the day, you being confident. Okay. You claim it, you be confident. You command it, you be confident. And then in the evening, you give your thanks for it and be happy, you know, and, you know, use a little God sandwich from Emmett Fox. And this is how I work, you know, and I'll use it, an occasional technique like sets from Neville Goddard, and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, as a rule, no, I do not use techniques. I tend to attack it like Florence Scoville Shin, and it has served me well. Uh, one of the things that you, that I discovered was, you know, there's certain things you make your God, and certain people will make like the teacher their God, you know, Neville Goddard, you know, no, you can do no wrong, don't listen to anybody else, you know, or you'll say, something to a Neville Goddard follower, you know, they'll ask, what, how do you handle everyone as you pushed out? Well, that's just LOA said another way. Oh, well, you know nothing, goodbye. You know, okay. <laughs> You'll learn. Yes, it is. Everyone as you pushed out. Like thoughts, beliefs, attract like circumstances, conditions, events, and people into your life. What you're thinking is what you get, which Neville pointed out. And he was trying to point out, put yourself in the other guy's shoes. That's you. Don't be pissed. But he only did that after he got his vision and forgave. You know, up until that point, you just, you don't pay any attention to them. You don't listen to them. They're the outside world. You know, but I've learned from Florence Scoville Shin and Emmett Fox, you know, more completely, this is all God. This is, he's omnipresent, you know, and that means everything, everything, everyone and everything, you know, so you pay attention, you give your love to, you know, God. So we're going to continue the book. That's just some insights that I have studying the mystics and having read them and, you know, picking up a nugget here, picking up a nugget here, and that's how you make it your own. You know, it's like cooking. You start off with a recipe, you follow the recipe exactly, but after you've done it a couple of times, then you start adding your own little spice and flavor into it. So that's uh, how I do it. And everybody's going to pick up different nuggets from everybody else, so I hope that helps you in some way. And now we will continue with chapter 8. And chapter 8 is titled Intuition or Guidance. 
Now you'll notice in a lot of LOA subs or Facebook groups or you know Neville Goddard ones, people are asking for signs. This chapter tells you how to ask for a sign and know it's a sign. Okay, instead of you, oh, show me a sign. You know, well here, here's one. Now this this is how you do it, and this is a great chapter. Intuition or guidance. There is nothing too great of accomplishment for the man who knows the power of his word and who follows his intuitive leads. By the word, he starts in action unseen forces and can rebuild his body or remold his affairs. And it is, therefore, of the utmost importance to choose the right words, and the student carefully selects the affirmation he wishes to catapult into the universe. He knows that God is his supply, and that there is a supply for every demand, and that his spoken word releases this supply. Ask, and you shall receive. Man must make the first move. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now, we often tell ourselves the old saying, God helps those who help themselves. Well, man makes the first move. He helps himself. I've often been asked just how to make a demonstration. I reply, speak the word and then do not do anything until you get a definite lead. Demand the lead, saying, infinite spirit, reveal to me the way. Let me know if there is anything for me to do. The answer will come through intuition or a hunch, your gut. In other words, a chance remark from someone or a passage in a book. The answers are sometimes quite startling in their exactness. For example, a woman desired a large sum of money. She spoke the words, Infinite Spirit, open the way for my immediate supply. Let all that is mine by divine right now reach me in great avalanches of abundance. Then she added, Give me a definite lead. Let me know if there is anything for me to do. The thought came quickly. Give a certain friend who had helped her spiritually a hundred dollars. She told her friend who said wait and get another lead before giving it. So she waited and that day met a woman who said to her, I gave someone a dollar today. It was just as much for me as it would be for you to give someone a hundred. This was indeed an unmistakable lead. So she knew she was right in giving the hundred dollars. It was a gift which proved a great investment. For shortly after that, a large sum of money came to her in a remarkable way. Giving opens the way for receiving. In order to create activity and finances, one should give. Tithing or giving one-tenth of one's income is an old Jewish custom and is sure to bring increase. Many of the richest men in this country have been tithers, and I have never known it to fail as an investment. The tenth part goes forth and returns blessed and multiplied, but the gift, or tithe, must be given with love and cheerfulness, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Bills should be paid cheerfully. All money should be sent forth fearlessly and with a blessing. This attitude of mind makes man master of money. It is his to obey, and his spoken word then opens vast reservoirs of wealth.
Man himself limits his supply by his limited vision. Sometimes the student has a great realization of wealth, but is afraid to act. The vision and action must go hand in hand, as in the case of the man who bought the fur-lined overcoat. A woman came to me asking me to speak the word for a position, so I demanded. Infinite Spirit, open the way for this woman's right position. Never ask for just a position. Ask for the right position, the place already planned in divine mind, as it is the only one that will give satisfaction. And this is what I mean by, you know, this one or something better. You know, when I tell others to, you know, claim I, you know, I want to be with this special person or someone better, I know, you know, that's the divine plan. You know, and you're going to find satisfaction and true happiness this way. You know, so you always leave it uh, up to God. And yeah, you can be specific, but, you know, say that or something better. I then gave thanks that she had already received and that it would manifest quickly. Very soon she had three positions offered her, two in New York and one in Palm Beach, and she did not know which to choose. I said, ask for a definite lead. The time was almost up and was still undecided when one day she telephoned. When I woke up this morning, I could smell Palm Beach. She had been there before and knew its balmy fragrance. I replied, well, if you can smell Palm Beach from here, it is certainly your lead. She accepted the position, and it proved a great success. Often, one's leads comes at an unexpected time. One day, I was walking down the street when I suddenly felt a strong urge to go to a certain bakery, a block or two away. The reasoning mind resisted, arguing, there is nothing there that you want. However, I had learned not to reason, so I went to the bakery looked at everything and there was certainly nothing there that I wanted. But coming out I encountered a woman I had thought of often and who was in great need of the help which I could give her. So often one goes for one thing and finds another. Intuition is a spiritual faculty and does not explain but simply points the way. A person often receives a lead during a treatment. The idea that comes may seem quite irrelevant, but some of God's leadings are mysterious. In the class, one day I was treating that each individual would receive a definite lead. A woman came to me afterwards and said, while you were treating, I got the hunch to take my furniture out of storage and get an apartment. The woman had come to be treated for health. I told her I knew in getting a home of her own, her health would improve, and I added, I believe your trouble, which is a congestion, has come from having things stored away. Congestion of things causes congestion in the body. You have violated the law of use, and your body is paying the penalty. So I gave thanks that divine order was established in her mind, body, and affairs. People little dream of how their affairs react on the body. There is a mental correspondence for every disease. A person might receive instantaneous healing through the realization of his body being a perfect idea in the mind of God, and therefore whole and perfect. But if he continues his destructive thinking, hoarding, hating, fearing, condemning, the disease will return.
Jesus Christ knew that all sickness came from sin, missing the mark, but admonished the leper after the healing to go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon him. So man's soul or subconscious mind must be washed whiter than snow for permanent healing, and the metaphysician is always delving deep for the correspondence. Jesus Christ said, Condemn not lest ye also be condemned. Judge not lest ye be judged. Many people have attracted disease and unhappiness through condemnation of others. What man condemns in others, he attracts to himself. For example, a friend came to me in anger and distress because her husband had deserted her for another woman. She condemned the other woman and said continually, she knew he was a married man. He had no right to accept, she had no right to accept his attentions. I replied, stop condemning the woman, bless her and be through with the situation. Otherwise you are attracting the same thing to yourself. She was deaf to my words and a year or two later became deeply interested in a married man herself. Man picks up a live wire wherever he criticizes or condemns and may expect a shock. Indecision is a stumbling block in many a pathway. In order to um, overcome it, make the statement repeatedly. I am always under direct inspiration. I make right decisions quickly. These words impress upon the mind and soon one finds himself awake and alert, making his right moves without hesitation. I have found it destructive to look to the psychic plane for guidance, as it is the plane of many minds and not the one mind. As man opens his mind to subjectivity, he becomes a target for destructive forces. The psychic plane is the result of man's mortal thought and is on the plane of opposites. He may receive either good or bad messages. The science of numbers and the reading of horoscopes keeps man down on the mental or mortal plane, for they only deal with the karmic path. And what this means is, you know, if you haven't figured out that you're Jesus yet, you're still under the karmic path. And as long as you're seeking something to help you, a technique, something to tell you, instead of just directly listening to, then you're still dealing with the karmic path. I know of a man who would have been dead years ago, according to his horoscope, but he is alive and a leader of one of the biggest movements in this country for the uplift of humanity. It takes a very strong mind to neutralize a prophecy of evil. The student should declare, every false prophecy shall come to naught. Every plan my Father in Heaven has not planned shall be dissolved and dissipated. The divine idea now comes to pass. However, if any good message has ever been given, one of coming happiness or wealth, harbor and expect it, and it will manifest sooner or later through the law of expectancy. Man's will should be used to back the universal will. State, I will that the will of God be done. It is God's will to give every man every righteous desire of his heart, and man's will should be used to hold the perfect vision without wavering. 
the prodigal son said, I will arise and go to my father. It is indeed often an effort of the will to leave the husks and swine of mortal thinking. It's so much easier for the average person to have fear than faith. So faith is an effort of the will. As man becomes spiritually awakened, he recognizes that any external inharmony is the correspondence of mental inharmony. If he stumbles or falls, he may know he is stumbling or falling in consciousness. One day a student was walking along the street condemning someone in her thoughts. She was saying mentally, that woman is the most disagreeable woman on earth. When suddenly three Boy Scouts rushed around the corner and almost knocked her over. She did not condemn the Boy Scouts, but immediately called on the law of forgiveness and saluted the divinity in the woman. Wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. When one has made demands upon the universal, he must be ready for surprises. Everything may seem to be going wrong, when in reality it is going right. For example, a woman was told that there was no loss in divine mind. Therefore, she could not lose anything which belonged to her. Anything lost would be returned, and she would receive its equivalent. Several years previously, she had lost $2,000. She had loaned the money to a relative during her lifetime, but the relative had died, leaving no mention of it in her will. The woman was resentful and angry. And as she had no written statement of the transaction, she never received the money. So she determined to deny the loss and collect the $2,000 from the Bank of the Universal. She had to begin by forgiving the woman, as resentment and unforgiveness closed the doors of this wonderful bank. She made the statement, I deny loss. There is no loss in divine mind. Therefore, I cannot lose the $2,000, which belonged to me by divine right. As one door shuts, another door opens. She was living in an apartment house which was for sale, and in the lease was a clause stating that if the house was sold, the tenants would be required to move out within 90 days. Suddenly, the landlord broke the leases and raised the rent. Again, injustice was on her pathway, but this time she was undisturbed. She blessed the landlord and said, As the rent has been raised, it means that I'll be that much richer. For God is my supply. New leases were made out for the advanced rent, but by some divine mistake, the 90 days clause had been forgotten. Soon after, the landlord had an opportunity to sell the house. On account of the mistake in the new leases, the tenants held possession for another year. The agent offered each tenant $200 if he would vacate. Several families moved. Three remained, including the woman. A month or two passed and the agent appeared again. This time he said to the woman, Will you break your lease for the sum of $1,500? It flashed upon her. Here comes the $2,000. She remembered having said to friends in the house, We will all act together if anything more is said about leaving. So her lead was to consult her friends. These friends said, Well, if they have offered $1,500, they will certainly give $2,000. So she received a check for $2,000 for giving up the apartment. It was certainly a remarkable working of the law, and the apparent injustice was merely opening the way for her demonstration. It proved that there is no loss, 
and when man takes his spiritual stand with love and forgiveness, might I add, he collects all that is his from this great reservoir of good. I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. These adverse thoughts alone rob man, for no man gives to himself but himself, and no man takes away from himself but himself. Man is here to prove God and to bear witness to the truth, and he can only prove God by bringing plenty out of lack and justice out of injustice. Prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And next week we will continue with chapter 9. The perfect self-expression or the divine design. I hope this helps. I really love her. She's got so many wonderful things in there that really resonate with me. Um, and it's done me nothing but good. So I hope it helps. Blessings to you. And thank you. Thank you for being you.